0: Hi there, and welcome to episode 41 of the T21 Mom podcast. My name is Mary, and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll talk about life, Down syndrome, mamahood, single parenting, and pretty much everything in between. I have a daughter named Ainsley, and she's seven years old, and rocking an extra chromosome, also known as Down syndrome. And I am living life my way. And as usual, my friend and co-host, Ron, is also joining me. Hi, Ron.
1: Hey, Mary. How are things going in your household?
0: Not too bad. We have one more full day of isolation and then freedom.
1: In its relative form in the new world.
0: Yes. Well, it means I can go to work and Ainsley can go to daycare. Granted that she doesn't show any symptoms between now and tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Now and tomorrow or now and midnight?
0: Now and tomorrow at midnight.
1: Oh, really? I thought it was today. No. Nope. Oh, oh, no. So, see, here you go. That's what happens when you lock yourself in your house for months on end is you yes. lose track of actually which day it is.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long haul.
1: Yes, it's been a long haul since March. Yes. So. All right. So, today's guest mm-hmm. is someone who does some interesting kind of work.
0: Yes. Her name is Maria Della Pina. And she is the founder and owner of Specs for us. And it's an eyewear line. And it's designed pretty much specifically for people with Down syndrome. Because sometimes they can be a little bit harder to fit properly with glasses.
1: Is that's because of facial features or... Yes, that's correct. Or is it like like, like, like you and I both wear glasses, Ainsley mm-hmm. wears glasses, and we're used to sitting them on our face. But I was wondering if the muscle tone had something to do with being able for them to stay on the face.
0: It's not really a muscle tone. It's more the facial structure, I guess. Uh, people with Down syndrome tend to have a flatter nose bridge and often have lower set ears. So it can be challenging to find glasses that will stay on their nose. I, I know I had some problems with Ainsley's always sliding down, you know, so it can be a little bit challenging in that regard. But, and you also, you know, you want to get some glasses that are, you know, somewhat stylish for your kid. So, well,
1: hers are cute.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are cute. And I had talked to Maria, I guess it was over a year and a half ago, because I was having problems with Ainsley's glasses. And then I actually met her at the Rock and Mum retreat. Uh, she had a, a booth there, so we we chatted briefly, and I asked her to come on and to talk about, you know, some of the the problems that our kids can have with, uh, you know, some vision problems, and you know, sometimes why it's difficult to get proper properly fitted glasses, and sort of ways you can look out for for vision issues, and some tips on how to. Get your kid to wear your glass, their glasses, because that's always a tough one.
1: And when did you first notice that Ainsley was going to was having vision issues?
0: You know, I'm trying to rem- that she needed glasses. I'm trying to remember. It was either 18 months or two and a half. I I think I have a feeling it was more like two and a half. Uh, her left eye started to turn in, and so we got referred to a pediatric ophthalmologist, and he. Wears all this fancy headgear to figure out what kind of prescription she needs, and and we also talk about that is that they don't need to be able to talk in order to get their eyes checked. So, um, yeah, so we we go see a a doctor who, I mean, he does adults too, but he's one of the few who also do pediatrics, and thankfully he's very quick because it's not very pleasant. You know, you have your eyes dilated, and then. Uh, you know, you're having some light shined in your eyes, but uh, yeah, so well, Ainsley, the,
1: the, the the whole facial sensitivity thing too, right? because like the, like there's the whole like she doesn't like hats. she doesn't like the, how does she feel about people around her face?
0: she's mm, it's mostly the head, but like even you know when she's sleeping sometimes, like I can't touch her face because she'll start to stir. so she does have a lot of sensitivity around that, but Once she got wearing her glasses, she's been quite good about wearing them. Like, she'll even fix them if they're crooked, or she'll put them on. So, which is great, because, you know, she sees better with them, as I'm sure you and I both know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I mean, the way my eyes are, I can see about a foot in front of my face, and after that, it's like, you know, I need guide dog.
0: Oh, dear. Okay. I'm not quite that bad, but... (laughs)
1: Well, I I tried wearing contacts for a while and it it just wasn't working to me because I've had glasses since I was 10. And so after, you know, as an adult, not wearing glasses, I'm constantly feeling this breeze in my eyes. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So they were a little, they were sensitive. I could never get past that.
0: Yeah. And I only just got my glasses in the last, I don't know, six months, maybe five, six months. I can't, they're relatively new, but I also Feel weird now when I don't wear them. So, but yeah, yeah. It's it's,
1: it's like it's like getting in the car and not putting your seatbelt on. You pretty much instantly know, yes, that you've forgotten to put your seatbelt on. <laughs> yes, for sure. Usually in the first corner, but when yes. you start to slide across the street, so, <laughs> so that's the seat, so. oh, how come the ours are over there? Yeah. Um, okay, so why don't we go and talk to Maria and hear what she has to say?
0: Okay. Today on the T21 Mom Podcast, I'm very pleased to have today's guest, Maria Delapina from Specs for Us joins us. So welcome, Maria.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Mary. thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, me too. I've been wanting to do an episode on this for quite some time. So I'm so glad that you're able to come on. And so we're going to talk all about vision in our kiddos. And But first, before we start, Maria, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah,
2: um, I am the mother of four. Mm -hmm. My youngest daughter, Erin, has Down syndrome. Um, I have a son who's a special ed teacher and a coach. And my oldest daughter is a teacher, but now she's in optical herself. And then I have um, my third daughter, or third in line, (laughs) actually, (laughs) is uh graduated from kent state and she's working for a large accounting firm so
0: oh wonderful oh. that's awesome and um your daughter that you said is an optical does she work with you yes, she sorry so pretty she, she lives in wisconsin mm-hmm. so she works as a private doctor up there oh okay and that's Ainsley in the background. Hopefully, she'll be somewhat occupied during this. It's a little bit challenging because we're still under quarantine here. So, um, so I met you briefly at the Rock and Moms retreat back in Nashville, and 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 I know we've chatted previously, but you started your company Specs for us, and can you share about how and why you started it? Sure. Um,
2: I've been in optical. I always say almost all my life mm-hmm. I like to say I started in kindergarten because I feel, don't like to give out my age but I've been in optical now like over 40 years mm-hmm. and um when Erin was born I mean it opened a whole new world to us learning all these new things and it was you know I didn't know ahead of time about this uh, about her having down syndrome so um she was just under two when she needed glasses and I thought well I could find the perfect pair for her that's my job and uh, the search kept going on and on and I couldn't find it. But when looking at a typical pair of glasses and the features, facial features of an individual with down syndrome, I could see if I could only make these few little changes on a pair of glasses, why couldn't they fit and, uh just sit properly on their face and give them the visual acuity that they need.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes. That was my mission. Yes. Cause I've run into the same problem. So And so then, so you realized you had these issues, and so then what happened?
2: Well, I started drawing out a frame, (coughs) excuse me. But my um, concern was, I've been in optical. I could go in the lab and make a pair of glasses. I could teach you how to put contacts in. I could help you find your glasses. But I wasn't sure of how to get a pair manufactured. So that was my next quest. And as I would encounter optical companies they would take my designs and redesign them like a typical frame. Mm -hmm. And I finally found an optical place that was here in the States that made me some prototypes. And once I got those, I thought, this is perfect. I'm on to something here. Uh, But then it was the issue that I was um, a divorced mother of four kids and how the funding to get these things started. So that took me back a couple years. um, When I finally figured out a way to do it, I went back, that manufacturer wasn't in existence anymore, so I was on a new mission to find a manufacturer all over again.
0: Oh, no, okay.
2: Uh, Again, I finally found one that I sent my designs off to, and they sent them back redesigned again. Mm -hmm. And I sent back to him and said, can you please look at these? That's not what I sent you. And the next day, he called me up on the phone, and this individual, uh, Mr. Song, was from South Korea, But he had been educated here in the States and um, went to the University of Miami. He was um, big in optical over there, and his family's still here in the States. And he said, I get exactly what you want to do, and I'm here to help you. And the first frames arrived, which was just uh, three models, Mm -hmm. and they arrived on Aaron's birthday in
0: 2008. Oh, wow. So... Can you talk, I know you talked a little bit about it, but can you talk a little bit about some of the challenges of fitting our kids with glasses? Like I know they have the small nasal bridge and sometimes they have lower set ears, you know, like for my daughter Ainsley, you know, her glasses kept sliding down her nose. It was just really frustrating. You know, she's looking like a little old lady with their glasses at the tip of her nose. So.
2: Right. And if you look at um, a typical frame, the bridge starts real high at what's called the eye wire. That's the area that goes around the lens in the glasses. Okay. And if you lower the position of that bridge area and lower the placement of the temples on the side, mm-hmm. that will make the glasses all sit up on them. Because when you take a round optical lens, <clears throat> there's only a section, what's called the optical center, that has the true vision prescription in it that you're subscri- prescribed. Okay. Okay. So if it's sitting way down low and you're looking at the top part of the glasses, you're not getting a true visual prescription and it can cause headaches, prismatic effects, um, just different things like that. And your eyes can get kind of used to that, which could cause a problem because you're not seeing where you really should be. So if we could get them sitting up properly on their face, they would be more productive. Mm -hmm. Then the idea is to get them comfortable, too because an ill-fitting pair of glasses is no worse than an ill-fitting pair of shoes. Oh, you can yes. try them on in a store for the first time and you think they're great and you go home and wear those new shoes for two hours and you've got blisters. Yeah. And the same thing with glasses. You can go try them on at a store and they think they look good and sit up on the nose. And then once you can bring them home for your child and they start wearing them, you see that they're constantly slipping.
0: Yes, yes. And I know like when Ainsley... I'm trying to think how old she was. I want to say two and a half, but she could have been younger. It could have even been 18 months. I honestly can't remember when she uh, finally did get glasses because she has uh, strabismus. If I hope I said that correctly. Yeah. Okay. And where her left eye turned in, like it was, it was noticeable. Like I could see that she had something wrong. And so, yeah, because when I did go and get glasses, like they kind of just steered me to this one and I found out later that that place they always steered the down, the kids with Down syndrome towards this one pair of glasses and they were quite a big chop and you know because I saw a couple other kids boys and girls wearing the same pair I mean they were okay but uh, and then we did finally get another pair but I did find that they were sliding down a lot on her nose and it was a bit frustrating and so like are you probably the only one that actually specific, like, are there other people out there who make classes for kids with Down syndrome? Like, cause you only, you only make them for people with Down syndrome or do you like expect specs for us, like a wide, you know, for anyone, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Great.
2: Um, we, excuse me, we did get a patent on them, which was very unusual for a pair of eyeglasses. Oh, okay. Didn't, the unique features in it. Um, but so we, Yes, where I designed them for um, my individual, my daughter, and anybody else with Down syndrome. We soon, we realized, and I knew this at the beginning, small children don't have much of a bridge, typical kids, right. till they get up seven, eight years old. Um, any kind of ethnic group, Asians, African Americans, low flat bridges, these work uh, all across the spectrum. So they're mainly made for anybody with unique facial features or low flat bridges. Okay.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Because, you know... Like, how common are eye and vision issues in our rockin' kiddos? Like, I I think it's fairly common, but I'm not sure how common.
2: Right. In my research originally, it was 87% of the children with Down syndrome usually need glasses by preschool. Oh, uh, wow. 2020, which is uh, with Vision Monday and a magazine that's out there, uh, wrote an article once saying um, 40 to 90%, which I thought was kind of a wide spectrum.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Classes for individuals with Down syndrome, and in a lot of the research that that Vision Magazine did was that, yeah, we're a lot like you were talking about the the um, initial thing that a lot of optometrists or opticians were doing originally was that Miraflex or rub- rubbery type styles. There's several other brands out there, mm-hmm. but. Um, sure for durability and everything, they're good, but they're very therapeutic looking Mm -hmm. and they don't fit on a flat low bridge. Well, because they, um, a lot of the kiddos have sensory issues Mm -hmm. and that flatness and the way they fit on the face and they cannot be adjusted properly either because of the rubberness that they use. Mm -hmm. They, they're just, they don't conform well. And the kids are very sensitive to them. And three glasses should look like an accessory and not a necessity too.
0: I agree, yeah, because I do see some particular brands on some of our kiddos. I just don't like them because they they shove up really close to the eyes, and so then their eye eyelashes are squished. And I just, I, I personally, I mean, it's a personal thing too, for people whatever they prefer. But I just don't. I like you said, they look, they should look more like an accessory, as opposed to a necessity. And um, yeah, like. you you know because you want we want our kids to look cute right so but what are some of the like Ainsley has strabismus and and I'm not really familiar with the different ish vision issues in our kiddos but can you talk a little bit about what are some of the more common vision issues in our our kids and maybe what people can look out for because for Ainsley it was more obvious because her eye was turning in but I'm assuming there's other vision issues that maybe aren't as noticeable
2: Right. And a lot of times you can have vision issues and they can't be corrected even through glasses. Okay. But um, um the the eye is a muscle. And right. so with Down syndrome everything's low muscle tone. Yes. And with her business, the eyes aren't working conjunctively together. Mm-hmm. You know? Um so that was Erin's problem too. She would if she was looking to the left, the right eye would turn in. If she's looking to the right, the left eye would turn in, which meant she was seeing more monocularly with one eye better than she was seeing binocularly with both eyes together and with that you're going to lose um uh, depth perception it's not it's not um you're going to have issues with gross and fine motor skills okay strabismus um there's hyperopia and myopia which means farsighted and nearsighted Mm -hmm. our children are a little bit more um farsighted but the kids that are nearsighted can be very nearsighted and have very high prescriptions but the farsighted nuts, which would be like a plus lens or one that looks thicker on mm-hmm. the, in the middle and thinner on the edges. Those, um, a lot of times are just to help the eyes muscles relax and work together properly.
0: Oh, okay. Cause yes, I am pretty sure that's what Ainsley is, is the far, farsighted. And yeah, because mm-hmm. until I learned, you know, you know, because when Ainsley was young, you're still learning everything. I mean, I'm still learning. She's only seven, but, um yeah like about the eye having a muscle and when I explain that to people like you know about like I loved how you said it, about the low tone because you go it like affects everything you don't realize it's not just you know you yourself being floppy it, it affects your eyes and so many other things that we don't necessarily think about when you're typical so so like for Ainsley like would she have to wear do you think she would have to wear glasses her whole life
2: most of the time they do but it can be outgrown um the other thing with the low muscles and the eye things is that you know how quick our eyes dilate and constrict going indoors and outdoors Mm -hmm. that reason sometimes you'll see early signs of cataracts um it's not uncommon sometimes for children with down syndrome to be born with cataracts it's not a real high percent but i mean it's not uncommon there's a couple other you know things like that um Glaucoma and keratonis, things like that, you know, can be produced along the way with children with Down syndrome, but it's not as high as just something like strabismus, um, you know, myopia, which is similar to that strabismus can cause that lazy eye. Mm-hmm. And it's working to get those eye muscles working and, and the vision to come back because your brain tells your eyes what to see. And so it's it's another thing like we can talk about later, like um, why getting up first thing in the morning is the best time to put on your glasses and wait later on in the day. Because your eyes are telling you where they're fresh and and focused. Um, But that's why glasses can be important. And and the same thing with um, when I was talking about like the eyes, you know, dilating and then going stricter, like in the sunlight, why sun protection is always good for, because, you know, we can get early signs of cataracts from having too much UV in okay. our eyes. And, and our kiddos, because they don't move, their eyes don't move as quickly sometimes, can get early signs of cataracts. Um, an example is Erin had, she was probably about 12, I think, when she was diagnosed with snowflake cataracts. And if you were looking at them through uh, 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 the microscopes at the doctor's office, they just look like tiny little crystals on the lens of your eye. But we're just taking a brush and just splashing it. You know, just, it would be like little spots like that. Yeah. Uh, they don't um, quickly turn into a full cataract. It's just something that's there, which is another reason why I had airing quite a bit of line in transition lenses, which are the lenses that go darker outside, you know, and it's more of a, a, a progression adjustment mm-hmm. to the light too, because sometimes if I would quickly put sunglasses on her, it was that great sharp light to darkness yes. that would bother
0: her. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've thought about doing those. I, I haven't looked into how much it costs for the the that lens. I do know of one little boy where he has that, because I didn't know about that about the UV. You know, could cause, uh, you know, can be a cause of cataracts. So that's very interesting. Because Ainsley won't wear hats, so I can't really put a hat on her when it's sunny because she just can't doesn't like the sensory issue on her, on her head. So yeah. <laughs> So, OK, so there's strabismus and some early cataracts. And then I think I've also heard of nystagmus. I, I don't know if I said that correctly,
2: which is almost like uh, we also call it um, the eye scissoring and the eyes move rapidly back and forth.
0: Oh, OK, OK. Nystagmus. Nystagmus was where the um, the eyes move back and forth. And are there other like so obviously that one you would be able to see that. And are there other common issues in our kiddos? Well, one that you can't see is in,
2: it's called um, uh, accommodation insufficiency, mm-hmm. and what that means is like, uh, and we can talk about that when we talk about vision therapy, is that the eye muscles aren't converging in together at the at a, the same pace. Yeah. Well, can help with that but sometimes just some training the eye, because sometimes they can have 20 20 vision and individuals with or without down syndrome can have that kind of problem we call that like one of the red flags that you can pick up from red flags with vision and learning right by the way they're um they're if they have reading problems it's unusual to read a book or do their work um right. painting, shutting one eye more than the other um you know, light sensitivity, uh, just um, slow processing, like coloring and word process. If they're, you know, color outside the line more than others, those can all be in that accommodation issues.
0: When Ainsley was first diagnosed, and again, I can't remember how old she was, if she was a year and a half or two and a half, but we were referred to an ophthalmologist. But I've also heard of people seeing like an optometrist. So is there a difference or like what do people normally do? Well, when I'm, you know,
2: speaking on this subject, I always tell you, you know, when you're so overwhelmed in the beginning, your, your doctor, your pediatrician, you have to think only knows the name of a cardiologist, an endocrinologist, a pediatric ophthalmologist, you know, they give you a name in each category, so to speak. Yes. You know? yeah. And whether they know them personally or have researched them, I mean, it's just people they it's in the area they you know it's a referral network system um i do encourage in my talks that um, the PD ophthalmologists, um many are great many are extremely busy mm-hmm. it, it, you can be there two to three hours which is going to wear out your kiddos even by the time you see him and then if they can't get a good result by uh the cooperation Yay. from the child you're going to get a uh, rx it's going to say please let's review in three months you know mm-hmm. need some more information but there is a system with the optometrist the main difference between that the, the ophthalmologist and the optometrist is the surgery medical issue okay. optometrists these days can subscribe prescribe drugs they, they do as much testing as the the ophthalmologist and i really think um there's a group of them and I call, I always read for people to go to the C O V D, that's cat, ostrich, dog, Vision, dot .org site. And these are the College of Doctors in Visual Development. Okay. They take um, just so much time with your children. They get down to the root of the issues. You're going to see just him in their tech, maybe. Um, and you'd just be surprised how much more they're going to look at because they're looking for the kids with developmental disabilities. Mm-hmm. And they know they have tricks and ways to work with them. I knew of a doctor once that would get right on the floor with the child and examine them. Oh, well. um, I was at uh, one of the neuro doctors, which is there is a group of neuro optometrists, which still, you know, so if they have a lot of neurological issues, that could be a route to go with. Um, and I was leaving this conference, and Erin was there with me. And uh, uh, I introduced her to one of the head doctors that was putting on the.
0: Sorry, say, pro- say again. Ainsley was quite loud in the background there. I couldn't hear you. I said,
2: you know, all oh, I want to introduce you to my inspiration. I introduced her to Erin, and Erin mm-hmm. said hello and turned around and ran down the hall. And she goes, "Oh my God, she's a toe walker." And I said, "Yeah, she's been that kind of all her life." And I felt so bad as a, a mom knowing as much optical as I try to absorb that I was thinking it was a leg issue and mm-hmm. it never dawned on me that it was a vestibular issue wow. now, and you'll see this all the time so what it means is so her balancing if her vision was off with her depth perception her balancing is off right and it, to get your core in place I called it what she was getting what I called her J-Lo booty <laughs> <laughs> against j-lo but i just called it her j booty because she just kind of had a little bit of an arch in her back and her back end was getting a little bit thick and when she would run i would notice you'd think if she was running downhill you were so afraid she was going to fall forward mm-hmm. this a lot in our kiddos so i looked up on that uh, clvd.org website and found this doctor down in in our area and took her into her and quickly she started um doing some different type of vision testing with her for depth perception. And we added a little bit of what's called prismatic effect. So some prism to her glasses, which would bend the light rays up differently so that it would tell her brain and her mind to stand up straighter and the vision would be more in line. And within just a few months, we started seeing a complete difference in her. Wow! And I've known that if I hadn't gone to this doctor, that had pointed this out to me because they, they had her taking this porcupine puzzle that you would put the pegs in the back. Yeah. And I, Erin's good with puzzles. She loved jigsaw puzzles. Great. And I thought, oh, she's not doing too bad. She's putting them right in. But when we saw the difference when they changed the prescription and put it on her face, you know, and just like a temporary type glasses, she was doing it. Boom, 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 boom. So wow. much
0: quicker and faster. So how would people know, though, that it's like you thought it was like more of a physical issue as opposed to a vision issue? And, you know, and that's sort of your specialty. Like, how would people know?
2: Yeah, I mean, and that was it. I mean, I didn't know that. And but the doctors I hadn't been to an eye doctor just like that I'd worked for several doctors that worked for vision therapy and they always worked with her too so it was just something to be overlooked that's why education and podcasts like yours are so important to get the word out so we can't be afraid to ask questions when we go into any of the doctor's office especially the eye doctors with things you're seeing if you're seeing them having struggle with reading and writing and um, lines not being quite, or tripping over things their performance seems off all that can be vision related in some way and should be brought up to the doctors.
0: That's interesting. Cause I mean, this is a little bit off topic, but like Ainsley was a really late walker. Like she was just over four and mm-hmm. I mean, she's seven now and I mean, she's pretty much running and stuff, but I do notice that she can be a little bit hesitant. Like, you know, when there's like, um, initially when she first started walking if there was any change in the ground for example like if you went to the park and it's like bark mulch for example like she was always hesitant to step onto that and and even now like she's still a little nervous if there's like a little curb to step over and I mean we've been working on that but then when you were saying those issues about that Erin had I'm thinking I'm wondering if it's possible that Ainsley it could be a depth perception exact issue so okay that's I'm gonna um Tuck that away and uh, speak to the the doctor about that because it it's very possible that it, it could be and then I'll also talk once we get back into physio. I'll also be talking to our physio about that as well. But um, so yeah, parents, look, sorry, go ahead. Parents have mentioned
2: to me even if you're and I've seen it with Aaron too. Um, you could be walking on a level service and if the colors change, they're not uh, they if they're not registering a depth perception though they, they might think there's a change in the depth even though it's just uh, like a yellow line
0: on a sidewalk. Right. Yes. I have heard of that as well. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. That's yeah. And, and considering that such a large percentage of, you know, the down center population, you know, has some kind of vision issue where they need glasses, like it it could very well be also a, a depth perception as well. So yeah, that's excellent information. So so really any you can go to either an op and I'm assuming it will be the same in Canada. I know you're in the States, but so you could either go to an optometrist or an op- ophthalmologist, correct?
2: I I have to say I do prefer the developmental optometrists. There's a lot of them up in Canada too, because I've gone to conferences. In fact, this year's was in Canada, the COVD national conference for the year was supposed to be in Canada. Of course, that was <laughs> no. postponed until next year. No. Um, we work with a lot of them. I mean, and, and if you, you go to that website, you can put in doctor near you. Okay. If, and any of the doctors that are registered are on there are there. And I have worked with them. I had not, not, quite off subject, but I had a doctor, our mother once, one of my very first customers I ever worked with in Australia, uh, call me up. And she said that um, the doctors are, my son's not working well with the eye doctor we've usually worked with. And they wanted to put him under a general anesthetic to get his eye exam done, Oh my
1: gosh. which
2: is possible. You know, yeah. you don't have to speak and we can talk about that. Um, you know, you don't have to see a word to get an eye exam.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I said, Oh, You know, Lenore, please hold off a little bit, you know, let me do some research. And I have a a couple doctors I consult with, and I uh, wrote, emailed one of my favorite ones and said, hey, I've got this issue, you know, and she's in New York. And I said, uh, you know, can you help me? Well, and and within, gosh, 48 hours, she gave me the name of two doctors in uh, this Australian area. And they went to one of them and she said that it was such a difference. It made the best exam ever that they, the child and the doctor got along great. They communicated well. They got through the whole exam in 30 minutes. Wow. It was just, it was just a big difference. And there, you know, you you can do that. There's there's just a difference between, you know, I had a mom once come up to me and say, the son was 14 years old and you could definitely see he had some strabismus, other issues going on. Mm. And she said, she was going to, and I'm not knocking the pediatric ophthalmologist, but she said, I was going to one of the best in the area recommended. And he told me until he can be a little more verbal, um, we can't get a good exam.
0: Wow. Wow. Because like for some of our kids, there are some kids that don't talk, so they would never be able to get a decent exam. That's, Yeah. But you
2: can examine without her saying a word.
0: Yes, and we and that's what we've done as well with Ainsley. So, like, so you can go to either like, and I'm gonna definitely look that up on the codv.org, and we'll certainly put a link on our website about that. So I know you were talking about testing because, like, Ainsley was quite young when she first got glasses, as I think it is. Not unusual for lots of our rocking kiddos. So how do they test when they can't? You know, like people think you you read the the board on the on the wall or whatever the letters and stuff like that. So how would they test a child who who can't? Hi. Who can, <laughs> hi, Ainsley, Who can't uh, speak?
2: Well, they do a lot of it just to um some of the. Uh, the new, they're not really even all that new, the different instruments that they have in the office. Um, one of the first things all of us probably do is they have us look at this little handheld scope and they shine a light at your eyes and you can see them clicking a button. And yeah. what they're doing with that is they are measuring how far the light is to hit to the the, the back of your lens.
0: Yes, Okay. <laughs>
2: and by adjusting that they can hit get it to hit to a perfect spot and it you know a prescription it's similar to what they do with auto refracting when sometimes you'll walk into an office and you sit in front of a machine and you're looking at a picture and it does an auto scope and uh, it refracts your eyes automatically
0: yeah. right and he's <laughs> and whenever we've gone he's wearing this big fancy headset and he he's very quick because he's got to get the light in there i, I like I don't know how he does it but he always seems to manage it and I'm always worried that you know Ainsley's gonna you know like I gotta hold her down because I'm worried about her kicking him it's it's you know it's not very pleasant so but okay that's that's good to know that you you know like that one doctor said bring them back when they can talk I think it's crazy so you know you get a prescription for your child and then there's always the problem about how do you get your kids to wear the glasses so I'm wondering if you have any tips because I read about this all the time where people think I can't you know they just rip them off and I know I had that problem too when Ainsley first got her glasses but I'm wondering if you have any tips to share on how people can get their kids to wear their glasses once they have them.
2: Well, like we talked about earlier, a lot of our children do have sensory issues, mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we do have to go about it at, at, at their pace to some extent. But what I was talking about earlier is <clears throat> I always tell parents if they pick their glasses up later in the day, try them on a little bit in the evening, maybe while they're eating dinner or they're preoccupied. But the best time to try on the new pair of glasses is first thing in the morning when you wake up and your eyes are real fresh and your mind's fresh. And your brain's going to tell your eyes what to see and to get in focus what you know to be, you know, your your vision uh, acuity or your vision, what looks good to you when you're looking up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And if you wait two or three hours to put those glasses on, your brain and eyes have already tried to work together to see clear and sharp as you can. When you put that vision on later in the day, all of a sudden you, you're double corrected and you might be kind of what you might consider overcorrected and that can cause headaches and stuff where they'll want to take them off because they're, they're not seeing the way they used to see 10 mm-hmm. minutes ago. Right. Want to make them more that the first thing they do in the morning and the last thing they do at night. And we, we talk a lot to parents. I mean, we fit infants through adults. Okay. A lot of the newbies. And if the, the other main issue of it is the frame the frame fitting mm-hmm. correctly and without constriction. And not, you know, bothering them Mm -hmm. because we've gotten a a pair of sunglasses at a store that felt good when we first put them on and walked out in the sunglasses. And then we're pulling at them and tugging at them because they're not fitting right. And all of a sudden they break, Oh jeez. you know, playing with their glasses a lot. It's because they're feeling them too much and there's there's sensory issues there that's causing them to uh, not, you know, want to wear them because they're not comfortable Mm -hmm. and a good, comfortable, balanced pair of glasses should just be another you know part of their everyday appearances putting on their their socks and their shoes and and um i always encourage the parents to have like their own little special place next to their bed like when um aaron was um around what we would do is we would take her glasses off and she had bought this uh, I think it was Snow White or Sleeping Beauty at um, a Disney store that had uh, her arms were crossed in front of her like she was holding flowers or something, and Mm -hmm. the glasses would sit nicely right on top of that. So in the morning the glasses would be right there. She'd pick them up and put them on, and then that's where she'd put them at night. So they get some ownership of their own. It's all routine with our kiddos. With everything, it's routine oriented, and you try to get them out of their routine. (laughs) You know, we all know how, what that can be like. So yeah. if we can get them in a routine of wearing them. Um, I always um, talk about my presentations, how there's some just older fashioned doctors out there will say, well, you're not going to be able to get them to wear them. So I don't know if you should buy it. Oh, or you're going to hear that. Well, they need them at school. So at least get them to wear them at school. But then I tell the moms, well, tell me what they're doing and seeing at school that they're not seeing at home and every day when they're not in school. Yeah. You no, know, vision's 24-7. Mm-hmm. And and you can't, you know, go between. And if they tell you they're reading only glasses, then let's talk about bifocals because that's another whole story because you can't expect your kids to take them on and off all the time. Right. But that's another whole thing I can go into. <laughs> but, you know, we always, I, I say then they need to be in a bifocal, which is – not a big deal and we shouldn't put any kind of you know stigma on wearing bifocal lenses because sometimes that's what the issue is that needs to help again with you know accommodating your eyes correctly right um, but it's all about getting the comfort and the style with the glasses but routine's the issue it's routine routine routine
0: yes I I do agree with that and I remember when Ainsley first got them she just would rip them off and and I you know because like you said they have to get used to wearing them and i do credit daycare they got her wearing them i think within three to four days and they did a lot of hand over hand i mean because she was quite young still like they sat behind her and they did lots of you know the slippery fish and songs with lots of hand motions and and then she just started wearing them and it was fantastic and you know she will even correct them putting them when i put them on her you know and she's very good about putting them on and keeping them on for the most part i mean she does tend to take them off in the car quite often i I think that might be like um, a sensory thing with being with the motion i'm not 100 percent sure but our ot kind of mentioned that but i mean it's not a big deal that she doesn't wear them in the car she's not driving so it's okay but for a lot of our kids do most of their are the most of their eye issues or vision issues is it more when they're younger or can they can it occur when they're little bit older like maybe in their teens or early teens
2: yeah good question which I was gonna you know go into a little bit before um what you're gonna find a lot of times when they develop eyes issues early on is you know refocus and and they scope out your eyes to a certain aspect and Mm -hmm. and I'll use my daughter Erin again as an example and what I've seen in optical. So Aaron, when she first got it scoped out and I'm just going to throw numbers out there, but imagine I'm like in quarters and adding up to dollars. Okay? okay. So she scoped out at about a plus seven or eight in, you know, in, but you can't throw that on a child yeah. right away.
0: Right.
2: Well, so, I mean, you, there, there is a buildup to get sometimes wearing glasses, mm-hmm. you know? And so Parents will come to me and say, oh, my gosh, my glasses, my child's eyes are changing every, you know, three to six months. <laughs> and they're they're most likely not, and they're not communicating. The doctors or the opticians aren't communicating to you properly to say, hey, we're just kind of, we want to bump it a little bit more this time and see if we can get her closer to where her max might be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then, um, but I have a, um, a lot of people that I call and talk to that can be in and usually once you're in them, you're probably going to stay in them. I've seen people go out of glasses, mm-hmm. um, especially if it's more for accommodating reasons and maybe that it's kind of fixed in a way with quotation marks mm-hmm. on fix. Yeah. But um, the um, I've seen it, you know, it's not impossible. Um, but I've also talked to a lot of parents that um, they, they check out fine. Now with all the issues, I do know if they're, like in their 30s, and they're saying they don't need glasses yet. I'm wondering if the doctor's just one of those ones they're saying, Oh, no, they'll never wear them, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, there's got to be some accommodating issues, especially between uh, distance and near reading. Yeah. And, and I always encourage them to, you know, get them checked again. Um, we recommend while going through school, like every year. Um, most places say every two years is fine if you've got a pretty stable prescription, mm-hmm. but you don't you don't want to go beyond two years? And it's not because you don't think there's a change, and there might not be a change, but you're looking for it, health issues also.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah, and like, like Ainsley's prescription has changed. Just it it changed initially, I think in the beginning a couple times, but it's been pretty steady the last couple years, which is good. So, glad to hear that. Like and. Can our kiddos can they I mean I don't see why not but they could wear contact lenses Yeah I do know some with some you know sorry yeah,
2: but yeah I do know um several individuals that uh, are quite um and I'd use the word high functioning in an in an off way you know I don't um I know there's some people that don't like typically that word but I mean that that are capable of you know putting in and out contacts and I do know some I do know some parents that put them in for them mm-hmm. that have had to, cataract surgeries maybe when they were really young mm-hmm. um but uh, yeah contacts and especially some of these people that do a few more sports are some of the the kiddos that wear will try contacts at certain points yeah okay pretty um, probably don't but um maybe i i do know quite a few that do
0: yeah no i just yeah i was just thinking about it. i mean i just recently started getting glasses too but i i've never even thought about getting contacts but I don't really mind wearing the glasses now, so it's okay. (laughs) But our kids are really strong visual learners. And so obviously Mm -hmm. that goes hand in hand with, you know, having good vision. But if they have undiagnosed vision issues, like how will this affect their learning?
2: Well, those are, yeah, the red flags that you're going to see in that. Um, Someone that, um, let's say they are a reader, but they get real tired frequently. Mm -hmm. If they lose their place on a page, that's a sign of um, accommodation issues maybe because their eyes just get tired to focus a while on a certain page. Right. Um, One thing I recommend a lot, and um, we used to do this um, as a vision therapy at home treatment or, you know, practice, is you get a word search book. Look for the biggest letters you can get to start with. Yeah. Pull out a page. And I say fold it in half because we always tell, um, you know, in IEPs as we're going through them with our our teachers that limit the number of problems on a page. Don't overwhelm them with visual, you know, stimulation. Um, Let's give them a chance to work through things, you know, maybe four to six problems on a page spaced Mm -hmm. out. Um, So fold that page in half and pick out um, a a letter and something more of an obvious letter, like go with an A or... um, maybe a, a z something not like a c and an o can be too confining mm-hmm. and that but you want to use those letters later on to distinguish how well they can pick up but start with some more definite easy distinguishable letters and just take a marker and either have them circle it cross it, put a dot on it whatever you want. but you want to make sure that when they're doing this, they're not going, oh, here's an A at the bottom left-hand corner. Here's an A up in the top in the middle. You want them to do it as if they're reading a line on a book, a page. Okay. You want them to go left to right, top to bottom. That also, it's going to teach your eyes tracking.
0: Right, okay. And,
2: and they have to converge together to work properly to get this right. And if you notice them skipping up up and down a little bit, it it's, can be, you know, something you want to work on in a sign of accommodation. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, once they get good at a few of the distinctive letters, you want to then maybe go with some of the lookalike letters and see if they can distinguish between an O and a C. Okay. Um, and as they um, progress well with larger letters, go step down the size. Of the letters, too, and keep the same format going. And it's just a little bit of visual training that so, you can just do at home, and they don't know you're doing any testing or anything. Yeah. You're just playing games.
0: You talked a little bit about vision therapy. And so, can you talk like, what exactly is that? Is that like where you practice at home, or <laughs> what is it exactly? Well,
2: I, there's a, a lot of doctors out there that do that in their offices a little more extensively than what you can do at home Mm -hmm. that was an example of uh, a little bit of homework so to speak Mm -hmm. (coughs) excuse me sometimes um when i would the doctor would set up things and i would come in and and work on some other different issues with different vectograms or things like that that we'd have in the office and we may send them home with homework so Mm -hmm. but therapy teaches the eyes to um they work on eye alignment and eye teaming Okay. Eyes focusing together, um, eye movement, okay, tracking, and and that that will help with visual processing. Um, and ke- and in keeping things together, it'll mm-hmm. you know it'll teach it'll improve depth perception, fine motor skill, especially gross motor skills. So- and sometimes it's done with glasses. Sometimes it's done with like an extra. They might do an extra set of um glasses over your glasses, like an extra power when you're working in certain areas of vision therapy. Right. Um, But um, I've, I've had some, you know, typical adults we've worked with just that we're having problems with them, you know, their eye muscles working well together and, you know, didn't wear glasses
0: at all. Wow. Okay. Oh, that's very interesting. And also, can you explain a little bit what vision perception is?
2: Well, vision perception has to do with the mind, I think, and the eyes working together okay. would be like more of my d- definition of that. And, you know, um, if the eyes aren't seeing things in focus just right, you know, your brain's got to tell you your next step in processing, you know, what you're seeing. Mm-hmm. And so if the two aren't working right together, like I said, you know, you that step, you might not, brain might be seeing, it's a step down. It's not, you know, in your mind, it looks level and, you know, that's where, you know, you've got to get the two focusing and working together so that everything seems clear and sharp. I mean, your eyes, like you said, are the world to your brain and study, but they work together.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay.
2: Yeah. No, I seeing double, you know, your brain saying, Hey, what's going on here? And your eyes saying, well, this is all I can do. Yeah. You know, and your brain's thinking, well, that ain't right. (laughs) So what can we do to fix that?
0: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, so I think it's obviously very important for our kids in particular to get their eyes checked just because they are such strong visual learners. So you don't want to take that away from them if they have like some vision issues. And, you know, once you kind of get over that hump of getting them to wear their glasses, they, they're usually fairly compliant. And what are some things that people can watch out for if if you sus- suspect I know you talked about it earlier on about if you think maybe your child might have some issues like I, I'm just thinking about Ainsley with the depth perception and you know earlier you mentioned you know if they're the, like the eyes turn in or if they move back and forth but is there anything else in particular that people should look um, for
2: you know the old wise told a lot of it was squinting okay. and sitting up close to a tv but I was talking with this doctor that was um one of the uh, pediatric ophthalmologists that I know down in uh, Cincinnati. And he said, yeah, but sitting up close to a TV isn't always the issue because we go to a movie screen to see everything's bigger and plainer and right in front of us. And, you know, you sit closer to a TV, it's all bigger and better and right in front of you. Yeah, that's so true. It can be, but it's not always. Um, but watching, watching um, again, you know, an eye movement out of place, mm-hmm. which is something you can see but not. Something we can't see is, like you said, watching how they walk down steps, how they pick up spoons, you know. Do they go right at it? Does it take them a while to get over to that spoon and put it in the bowl? Um, unusual head tilts. Oh, okay. Some of them, you know, because you can have an area of perception that's shortened, too. Um, your visual fields aren't quite as big sometimes. I mean, that has to go with more complicated cases neuro- neurologically, Um the eyes wandering together um but the best thing is with with our kiddos and little things is just like pieces and parts how well can they put that um those blocks and pieces and parts together if they're really having issues with stacking things or doing things that could be something with alignment of their eyes also
0: right okay so yeah right from the get-go from when they're young so that that's excellent advice you know because i i do see a lot of like kids aren't aren't wearing glasses i don't You know, I'm assuming their eyesight is fine and I hope that their parents have had them checked. But just with the high percentage of our children needing some kind of eyewear or glasses, like, you know, they should be checked. And I would assume, like, you know, if they're four or five and they haven't, don't have the need for glasses, but you said they should probably be checking about once a year or so.
2: I suggest like under, before school, maybe once a year, once in school, and your doctors think they're pretty stable at least every two years. Okay. Um, and if you're seeing it in, um, in uh, your occupational therapist, you know, you're going to your OT, yeah. a lot of times they can pick up a lot of those um, little little red flags also in the things that they're doing. They're, you know, their, the way they're buttoning things, you know, the way they're using their hands. hmm grasping at things or going after like the pegs in the the the, in the pods and um, I would always ask your them to keep an eye on things for you also
0: yes that's that's also excellent advice so how can people find you and can if they're interested in you know getting some glasses like how can they find you and uh what would they need to do
2: well, thanks for asking. We, um, we actually have locations. We work with optometrists and ophthalmologists and opticians all over the world. We're awesome. in, right now, we're in 26 countries around the world. We have, uh, we're have we in just about everywhere we can get into, into the United States and in Canada. And uh, we're real big in the UK and in Germany. Awesome. Um, we have on our website, which is specs for Us S-P-E-C-S the number four and then us us.com we have a link called um frames near you
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you can hit that and go by you're going to go by united states or you're going to go by canada and then you're going to go by the city and then it's going to bring up all the the air ones in your area okay. and because i mean we're new but we're not that new but we're still growing because mm-hmm. it's just and my small little wonderful staff Yeah. that, um, we're looking for new offices all the time. So if we don't have one near you, all you need to do is call us up at 800-586-1885 or send us an email or message us any way you can. And we will, um, help work with you with your local optician. Okay. Um, we can, um, they're all, if they're willing to work with you, they're going to be willing to work with us because we don't put pressure on anybody to buy an extensive amount of frames to inventory for their stock. Mm-hmm. And we'll help you find the best solution for you. We'll help you find an eye doctor near you that's one of the best to work with. Oh, we work awesome. with uh, parents in so many different ways. And then on the occasion that we can't find one next to you, or you, let's say you've got a, a little kiddo that just doesn't get out as easy as you know other individuals do to go to the doctor's offices and stuff and get sitting and trying on glasses just as a struggle. Yeah. We'll do frames directly to your house to try on. We give you an envelope to return all the frames or any that you don't want to keep and, and we'll help you from there. And then we'll help you find someplace near you to go get the lenses put in.
0: Oh, that's awesome. That's so perfect. And yeah. And cause I know a lot of people do really struggle about trying to find a good fit for their glasses. And I know another mama, uh, Jodi, who uh, she's another choice mama like myself. And I think she got some glasses from you. After, I think she might've met you at the retreat. I'm not sure if her daughter had glasses before or after that, but I asked her, I said, Hey, where did you get those glasses? And she goes, Oh, I got them from Specs for us. So I thought that was really cool. So that's, Me too. that's wonderful. Well, I do really appreciate you coming on today. And I, you know, I'm sorry if with all the extra noise in the background with Ainsley and some of those challenges but I do appreciate you um you know spending your time today and and talking to us about something that I think is really important for our our kids you know because we want them you know to be able to see and learn and do all those things that all these other kids are doing and and you know if they've got a good pair of glasses and they are wearing them then the world's their oyster.
2: Oh, well, Mary, I want to thank you, too, because uh, not being able to attend the conferences like we normally do and speaking on vision awareness and red flags and stuff, uh, this, you know, you're giving me the opportunity to get out there and help reach some more parents that uh, we haven't been able to get to this year because so many conferences were canceled.
0: I know. Yes. And our retreat was just recently canceled. It's not really was a surprise, but, you know, it's unfortunate. But you know, we'll all be back next year and, and, uh, we'll sure. definitely put all those links on our, our website and in our show notes so that if people want to contact you or call you, they can do so. And, you know, and I, yeah, I think you're a wealth of information. So if people have questions, I'm sure they, you know, they can just contact you and you'll be able to help them.
2: Thank you. We're, we're here. We always say
0: we're here to help the best way we can. And we'll figure that out. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Maria. Thank you.
1: So, when you first took Ainsley for an assessment, was the ophthalmologist a specialist in special needs, or what?
0: No, he was an ophthalmologist who also deals with children. He, he's a, he deals with both pediatrics and adults. But as we talked about in the podcast, there is an organization where you can find other I guess eye doctors or eye specialists that also deal with other things like maybe for example depth perception like in, in Ainsley I sometimes I wonder because she has sometimes a difficulty transversing different um what would you call it when we're outside like if you're going from like the street to you know the curb or the street to the grass like different uh environment so sometimes she has a little bit hard time navigating that and could that
1: be part of her issue with stairs and
0: this it could be you know i think the stairs like because she can she loves going up and down stairs but she has to hold on to a handrail so and she's actually never fallen but she's a little nervous doing it herself but even like at daycare better on stairs than me then okay but i always hold on to us the rail too because i I've been known to do a few headers in my time
1: <laughs> well I, I have these i have these um what do you call them uh progressives
0: yes same here yeah and
1: so like it's like where exactly is the next stair
0: <laughs> i know when i first got my progressives i had to really be cognizant of that and i had a friend who who warned me about that thankfully because it was a little bit scary for the first two weeks or so but yeah it's like sometimes when there's a little curb at daycare And she's always kind of a little bit hesitant to just sort of step over it. And, you know, and sometimes when we're at the park, you know, just stepping then from the cement to the bark mulch, sometimes it's a little, she's a little bit hesitant and it's just because it's a, it, it could be something to do with her depth perception or even color perception of what she's seeing. So, and as Maria explained, like you can get your glasses sort of more shaped for that, but you obviously need to. Look into it more than just the typical prescription, like which which Ainsley has. So, yeah, which I found very interesting. And I I do recall talking to another mom who has a a daughter with Down syndrome, but also has a typical daughter, and she said on their stairs at their school, they were gray, and so they just asked them to paint it the a strip of yellow across because of the depth perception um going up and down the stairs for both their girls, and it actually made a big difference. So. You know, it could be something just as simple as that.
1: Okay. All right. So what are we going to be doing next time? I don't (laughs) want to say next week because, you know, we are between us having these issues of making things happen right now.
0: Yes, I've got a few things lined up. I'm not sure if it will actually happen next week. We might be every other week for the next couple of weeks, but I've got a few things lined up. And hopefully we can get these out to our listeners very soon.
1: Okay. Why don't you lead us on out?
0: All right. Thanks for listening to the T21 Mom podcast. And I would love to hear from you. You can drop me a line at our email at info at t21mom.com or find me on Facebook, also at T21 Mom, or on Instagram and Twitter at Trisomy21Mama. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can be more searchable for others. And as always, share your stories with me. Tell me what you like about the podcast. If you have any things you would love to hear on the podcast, just let me know. Keep on loving on your rockin' kiddos and we will see you next time.
1: See you, Mary. Take care.
0: Thanks, Ron. Bye for now.